Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Greet somebody one more time. Tell them you're glad they're here. We've been talking about pillars and... uh, you know, the truth is, is that there are some pillars, there are some foundational things that we need to understand as it relates to the Bible, as it relates to this Christian life, and more importantly, as it relates to the kingdom that we are all a part of. You know, Jesus was having a conversation one day with his disciples, and the conversation is found in Matthew 16, starts in verse 13, and he said, that he asked him this question, he said, hey, who do, you, who do men say that I am? And so they said, well, some say that you're Jeremiah or Elijah or one of the prophets. And then he looked at him and he asked the question, the same question that he's asking us today. If he were here talking to us today in the flesh, he would say, who do you say that I am? And he looked at his disciples. He said, who do you say that I am? And so nobody said anything, and then Peter spoke up, and he said, you are the Christ, you're the son of the living God. In other words, you're not just another Jesus. There were other people that were named Jesus, but he said, you are the Christ. You are the anointed son of God. You are the sent one from God. And Jesus looked at Peter, and he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He said, but my father, which is in heaven, and he said, upon this rock, of revelation. In other words, this doesn't change. What, what rock of revelation? The revelation of who Jesus is. He said, upon this rock of who I am, but it's got to be, it's got to, you've got to understand on an individual level who Jesus is to you. It's not your mama's Jesus. It's not the Catholic Church's Jesus. It's not Elevate Life Church's Jesus. It's Jesus to you. In other words, Jesus is not just some uh, religious figure. He's not just another leader of another religion that's a competing religion in the world. But he is the son of the living God. And so he looks at Peter and he said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. He said, and upon this rock I will build my church. And he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But he doesn't just stop right there. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom so that whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven and whatever you unlock on earth will be unlocked in heaven. He said, I'm giving you these keys because I'm giving you the kingdom. And the revelation that I want you to get is that you've been given the kingdom of God by Jesus. And that's, that's a pillar. That's, a, that's, that's something that we've got to understand. That yes, Jesus came to die on a cross for our sins. But, but he died on a cross for our sins so he could give us the kingdom. Jesus came and he, he, he took stripes on his back. 39 stripes. And the, the prophet Isaiah said that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. So he was wounded on the outside and he was bruised on the inside. For any bent of iniquity, anything that we would have a propensity to be involved in, any type of sin, and then any sickness or disease that would attack us from the outside in. 
But Jesus didn't just come to die on a cross for our sins. He didn't just come to, to die on a cross for our sickness and, and diseases. Jesus came to destroy the works of the destroyer. The Bible says in 1 John that Jesus came that, to, that he might destroy the works of the destroyer against us that keep us from being not only in the kingdom, but keep us from being a part of the kingdom. So it's not enough just to be a Christian. It's not just a, a thought process or a, or a Christian mindset, but it's understanding that Jesus came to give us the kingdom of God. But he didn't just give us the kingdom of God. But in giving us this kingdom, he said, listen, it's a secret. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom I'm giving to you. And last week we talked about it, that, that why would he give us the kingdom of God? Because it solves our biggest problem. And mankind's biggest problem is that he can't control his circumstances. I mean, I want you to think about just for a second, one thing in your life, if you could fix that thing, how much would that make your life better? I don't know what it is, but everybody's got that thing. It's like, if I could just fix that thing, if I could, if I could just make that go away, it might be a lawsuit, it might be a person. Anyway, if I could just, if, if I could just fix them, how many of you ever thought that? If I could just fix them, it would be all right, you know? Thank you for your honesty. The rest of you are still working through it. But, but, but he said, I'm going to give you the kingdom because guess what? When you're a part of my kingdom, it transcends American de democracy. When you're a part of my kingdom, it transcends your eth ethnicity. When you're a part of my kingdom, it transcends your problems. When you're a part of my kingdom, I'm not only going to give you the secrets to the kingdom, but the Bible says that Jesus gave us the keys of the kingdom. He would tell another group of people, you're in error because you don't know the scriptures, and therefore you don't know the power of God. So we've got to understand the keys. And last week, we talked about the giving key, and we talked about the Word of God. And I want to just, I want to just, um, just touch on those one more time. Because if Jesus has given us the keys of the kingdom, we need to understand what those keys are. And giving is one of those keys. It's so important to us. In the Bible, Malachi, the third chapter, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What is a tithe? It's a tenth. A tenth of your income. It's pretty simple. If you make $50,000 a year, it's $5,000. If you make $100,000, it's $10,000. If you make a million, I'm prophesying over some of you now, it's $100,000. If you make $10 million, then it's a million. It's a tithe. Bring that into the storehouse. And by the way, do that first. Get that piece right. He says, bring the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And he said, and I want you to try me in this. I want you to prove me, says the Lord. And see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. Everybody say the key of giving. Listen, it's a good key. And yet it's, it's, it's something that so many people have a problem with. Because they think it's my job, it's my life, it's my money. And Jesus said, no, it's a key. It's a key that unlocks heaven over your life so that I can pour out blessings on you that you don't even have room enough to contain the blessings. Why? Because God never blesses us just to bless us. He blesses us, come on, to be a blessing. In other words, he wants us to be his hands extended, his feet extended. The, the scripture goes on to teach us in Luke 
the gospel of Luke, the sixth chapter, to give, here's the key of giving, and it shall be given. This is not church language. This is kingdom language. This is how the key works. Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And this is, this is pretty interesting. It's pretty simple. For with the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. This is how the key of giving works. Whatever you give is what you receive. Now, you don't have to give anything. You don't have to use the key. You can just get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. But that is not the kingdom. I've not only been given the kingdom, but I've been given the keys of the kingdom. For God so loved the world that he, come on, say it. For God so loved the world that he, so when we use this key of giving, we're the most like God. And we unlock the supernatural resources of God in our life. Another key that we talked about is the key of the word of God. And I love what, what Jesus' great-great-grandfather, David, talked about in Psalms 119. It's just a great read. I mean, sometimes just, you know, when you've got about an hour, just look at Psalms 119 because it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And, and just, you know, you'll just, but, but, but it's so rich. I mean, he, he, he talks about, I've, I've hidden the word of God in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, what he's saying is, I want, I want to teach you by the word to live from the inside out, not the outside in. You know that all of our problems are out there? And, and you know, you can gauge about how you're living your life if what you see out there or what's happening out there is causing problems in here. And, and that's what happens. But he says, he says, listen, the word of God is a key that if you'll hide God's word in your heart, watch this, it's not just that you won't sin against God, but, but you won't miss the mark. In other words, your life will have focus from the inside out. He goes on to say this, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. So I've hidden God's word in my heart, and now it becomes this, this light and this lamp, and it literally means that when you're going through life and you don't know which way to go, the Word of God will direct you. Somebody put an amen on that. So he goes on to say this, if I put God's Word in my heart, I won't miss the mark. It'll be a lamp unto my feet, a light to my pathway. And then I love this too. It goes on to say this, that when I'm afflicted, I will find comfort and your word will give me life. Now, maybe you're not afflicted right now, but let me give you some bad news. In your future, you will be. You'll have some kind of affliction in your life. What is the key of the word of God? That the word of God will comfort me when I am afflicted. He goes on to say this, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. You ever looked at worthless things? And revive me in your way. Establish your word in me. And he says this. He goes, I rejoice at your word as one that finds great treasure. So, so how many of you want a word from God for you today, right now? Okay, in case you don't know. Now listen, you don't have to believe this, but I'm going to give you the key of the word of God today. April is the fourth month. This is the 22nd day of April. So in Proverbs 22 today, whatever the day is, that's the proverb that I read. So on Proverbs 22, verse 4, everybody say 422, 18. 
Here's the word of the Lord for you today. I text this to all my pastor friends this morning. I said, I'm praying this over you. Here's what Proverbs 22, the word says today for April, the fourth month. By humility and fear of the Lord come riches, riches, honor, and life. That's the word of God. So what's my part? Riches, honor, and life are God's part. How many of you want riches? Come on, be honest. I know some of y'all are super, I don't need nothing. You know what? We need you to get something because you need to help somebody. Oh, I'm good. No, listen, I'm good. It ain't about you being good. It's about God using you to be a blessing to other people. And so what's my part? My part is to humble myself. The Bible says pride goes before the fall. My, my part is to say, God, I want your way and not my way. To humble myself. And then my part is to honor the Lord or to fear the Lord. To put God first in my life. So to humble myself, to put God first in my life. And he says, okay, for April, the fourth month, and the 22nd day, and here's the prophecy. I'm prophesying. I'm speaking the key of the word of God over your life. Riches, honor, and life. And you know what life means? Life means long life. Life means healthy life. Life means good life. Life means best life now. Hashtag Joel Osteen. So I'm just telling you, come on. How many receive that word today? Hey, riches, come on. Honor and life. I'm not, I'm not preaching Christianity to you. We've been given the kingdom of God, and God says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, you've got to use the word. So guess what? I'm reading the word today. I woke up. It's the first thing I did. And I'm looking at Proverbs 22. It's the 22nd day of April. And the fourth verse, and the fourth month, bam. That's the word for me today. So what's my job? I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to give up my right to be right. I have practiced every day to do that. Those of you who don't know, that's Sheila, Pastor Precious, to give up my right to be right. And if I don't do it, we're going to have affliction. <laughs> There's going to be conflict. So what does my spouse teach me? How to get riches and honor and a long, happy, hashtag Joel Osteen, best life now by humbling myself. And who am I humbling myself to? First of all, before God and then before my spouse. It's neither male nor female. I, I, I'm going I'm to give up my right to be right here and humble myself. And by the way, when I humble myself, the only thing that comes before honor in Scripture is humility. So I'm going I'm to be humble and I'm going to give honor and I'm going to get rich. And I'm going to have a great life. And guess what? Riches aren't just in money, but it's included. I'm not afraid of it, Anthony. I'm not afraid of it. I got the key of the word of God. Come on, how about you? I've got the key of the word of God. And then the next key, and I just want to throw both of them out here, is the key of worship and the key of prayer. And just very simply, I want you to get these images in your mind. Because there's a lot of keys, but I wanted to focus on these four keys. And the reason I want to focus on these four keys is because... These four keys are happening in this service today. In this service today, we, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God gave me to you as a gift. Some of y'all don't see me as a gift. But you need to understand that's what God calls me. You know why? Because here's what he says in Ephesians 4. 
And God gave gifts of apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors for the equipping of the saints to do the ministry. So today is about being equipped, being equipped to, to be challenged and provoked to give, to be challenged to receive the word. And like Jesus' brother James said, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. That's how the word works. You can't just hear it. You got to do it. And then to pray and then to worship. So, you know, we came in today and, and we came into church and some of you that are new go, you know, like they just stand like they stand and sing karaoke. And... Um, like, I don't know those songs, and, 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 you know, we come in, it's kind of weird, you know, in our church experience. Although, those of you that have gone to uh, Beyonce or, or, um, um, or um, uh, some other concert that you've gone to, you go in there and you stand. And you stand, because, you know, you got a seat. But you just stand. Let me tell you where that came from. That came from the church house. That came from the kingdom. Because when we come in here, here's what we do. We stand in God's presence. He's not just a king. He's the king of kings. He's not just the Lord. He's the Lord of lords. We lift our hands. That, sound, that, that seems weird to y'all until you go see Beyonce or somebody else. And you've got your hands raised and people doing like this. Raise your hand like the one who cares. You know, whatever. And so we got all these forms of worship out there. But the key of worship is for us to worship God, for us to honor God, for us to take these hands, for us to take our life, for us to take our gifts and our talents. You see, worship is not just bowing down, but worship is glorifying God by discovering, developing, and deploying your God-given talents and then using those talents to glorify God. Whether you're in business or finance or whatever it is that you do, the Bible says whatever you do, Colossians 3.17, in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord. And then uh, Colossians 3.23 and 24 says whatever you do it as unto the Lord, knowing it is from he you'll receive your inheritance and not men. So here I am preaching the key of the word of God that I'm the one that focuses my energy and my effort on eternal purposes to advance God's kingdom, not just for what I can do, not just for what I can get, not just canning all I get, getting all I can and sitting on the can. So I can operate the word and the giving key and the worship. And as I worship, I worship God with my work. I worship God with my marriage. I worship God with my family. I worship God with my finances. It all flows and it all works together. I love what Psalms 22, 3 says, and it says, but you are holy and you are enthroned on the praises of Israel or your people. So when we come in and we worship, I worship you, almighty God, there is none like you. His presence comes. I worship you. Oh, Prince of Peace, that is what I long to do. I give you praise, Lord, you are my righteousness. I worship you, almighty God, there is none like you. Worthy, oh, worthy are you, Lord, worthy to be thanked and praised and worshipped and adored. 
worthy, oh worthy are you, Lord, worthy to be thanked and praised and worshipped and adored. Thou art worthy, oh God, you're holy. Thou art worthy, you're my mighty God. Thou art worthy, Abba, Father. Thou art worthy, Lamb of God. When I open my mouth, when I lift up my hands, when I give him worship, he's enthroned in my life. I'm focusing my attention, I'm focusing my spirit on him. The the Bible says that a man by the name of Paul and Silas, they were in prison, and they were in the belly of the prison. They were in the worst part of the prison, and they were in stocks, and they were in chains. And in their midnight hour, in their worst hour, they begin to worship God. To God be the glory. And the Bible says the prisoners were listening. To God be the glory. What are they giving God glory for? To God be the glory for the things he has done. Oh, guys, watch this. Here's what's about to happen. God's going to show up right here in our darkness. Why? Because his word is on the inside of us. We're worshiping God. He's going to bring a light. He's going to bring a lamp, and bam, he brings an earthquake, and an earthquake opens the prison doors, and guess what? The chains fall off, and that's what the key does. And when you get that, no matter what situation you're in, you're going through a tough time. I was talking to somebody last night, and they're just going through a tough time. I said, what kind of atmosphere are you creating in your house? What kind of atmosphere are you creating in your car? Let me tell you something. We can shift the atmosphere by choosing to focus on worshiping God, even when we're in the belly of a prison even when it looks like we're being held back. The key of worship. The great thing is I can worship God anytime, and I always have. I'd get up when I was in high school, get in the shower. Sorry for painting that picture. But (laughs) I'd be in there. He is Lord. He is Lord. I'm about to go to school. I'm about to face all these people. I'm about to have to deal with my own insecurities. He has risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Sometimes I'd have me a party, and I'd be singing something like, I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior. About that time somebody's knocking on, man, you're making so much noise in there. Quit singing in the shower. I can't tell how many times that happened. And I would shout, I'm going to sing in the shower. And I'm going to worship in the shower. So when the showers of life are coming down on you, get your voice. Get your worship. Get your praise on. Come on, let's take a praise break. Everybody stand up. 
Let's praise God right now. I don't care what you're going through right now. Lift up your hands. Clap your hands. He inhabits the praises of his people. That's not good enough. Come on. You know what this means? Listen, some of y'all don't know what this means. We don't just clap for a football game. We don't just golf clap. You know what clapping means? This is earth. This is heaven. Heaven's coming to earth. This is natural. This is supernatural. God's bringing his super into my natural. This is impossible. This is possible. God's bringing his possibility into my impossibility. That's worship. Since we are receiving, since we are receiving, say, I have received a kingdom that is unshakable. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him. I got the key. But you're in prison. I got the key. But life sucks right now. I got the key. Your marriage isn't working. I got the key. And you've got the key. You just have to do it. It's not just the key of worship, but it's the key of prayer. There were 5,000 people that Jesus had been teaching, and it had been all day, and they hadn't had anything to eat. And Jesus said, we need to feed these people. And the disciples said, we can't feed these people. It would cost a whole year's salary for us to feed these people. There were 5,000 men, including women and children, maybe as many as 15,000 people. And Jesus said, what do we got? And they said, well, there's a little boy. He's got five loaves and two fish. But what is that among so many? You see, here's our, here's our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is we got, we got stuff we can't control. All I know is five loaves and two fish won't cut it until you apply the key. Watch this now. Of giving the word, worship, and prayer. Jesus says, give it to me. They gave it. The little boy gave it. Then they gave it to Jesus. He lifts it up. Worship. Gives it to God. And he says, God, thank you. You know what the Bible says? Now, again, this isn't Christianese. The Bible says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. I can't give thanks in this. No, in everything. Not for everything. Man, I broke my arm. Thank you, Jesus. No, no, no. But guess what, God? I broke my arm. I still thank you. I've been given a diagnosis of cancer, but I still thank you. It says, in everything, give thanks for this will of God in Christ Jesus. But before it says that, here's what it says. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. And again, I say, Rejoice. So the progression goes like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. By the way, that's the worship piece. That's the word piece. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't always. I don't always feel like rejoicing in the Lord. Have you ever heard this phrase? Just be nice. You ever heard that phrase? You ever said that to somebody? You ever wish somebody would just be, love is patient, love is kind. You know what you can always be? You can always be nice. 
I said, you can always be nice. And when you are, you're taking the key of the word of God. And you say, I'm going to be nice to this. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice right now. But here, we know what to do. And watch this. We don't use the key. Because you're mean to me. I'm going to be mean to you. You're going to sue me. I'll sue you. I'll sue you. Whatever you sue me, I'll sue you back. Whatever you do to me, I'm going to do to you back. And he says, why don't you just take the key of giving? Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Oh, by the way, also Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Pray for them. You can't be hating when you're praying that God will bless them. Lord, just bless, bless that person. Lord, <laughs> Lord Jesus. You know what? We're, we're wanting God to bless us. He said, bless those that curse you. Take the key of the word of God. Take the key of prayer. And then you'll be able to rejoice in the Lord always. Watch this. Here's a progression. Pray without ceasing. And oh, by the way, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, there's a lot of research on prayer. Don't have time to go into a lot of it. But let me just say this. When Jesus blessed those five loaves and two fish, they not only fed the 5,000 men, but all the women and all the children. They had 12 basketfuls left over. And here's what I'm telling you. Here's your word. April 22nd, fourth month, 22. Humble, honor, riches, honor, and life back at you in Jesus' name. Come on, just receive that right now. I know by the Spirit of God that there's people right now, you're being dishonored right now. There's things that are happening in your life. There's dishonor that's going on. It don't matter how they're dishonoring you. By your humility and by your honoring of the Lord come riches, honor, and life. So a lot of, lot of study. I just took one little clip because this guy's done 25 years of research on prayer. And I want you to see not what a Christian doctor said, but I want you to see what a scientist said about prayer. Watch this. As we mentioned before the break, there's been a lot of interest expressed in the report we aired here last night about the growing medical evidence behind the power of prayer, inspiring to so many, especially given this time of year. But tonight, the skeptics get their say in the conclusion of our two-part series on this topic from NBC's Cynthia McFadden. Does prayer heal? Dr. Andrew Newberg says he's got proof it does. Witness the brain on prayer. You can see it's almost all red here when the person is just at rest, but you see it turns into these yellow colors when she's actually doing prayer. Dr. Newberg injects a radioactive dye in his subjects to see what happens when they pray. He says each time something fascinating takes place. So would you go so far as to say prayer can heal? Oh, absolutely, absolutely can heal. There are changes in different neurotransmitters, the chemicals in our brain that helps to release things like serotonin and dopamine in the brain, some of which can help to repress pain. Dr. Newberg's research and the books she's written are part of the hundreds of studies in the past decade as the medical establishment takes a new look at religion's role in modern medicine. But not everyone is sold. The brain changes when you eat chocolate. Critics like Dr. Richard Sloan say while the brain does change during prayer, there is no proof that those changes create healing. The brain changes when anything happens. Your brain is changing right now as you listen to me, and my brain is changing 
as you ask me questions. There's nothing special about showing brain changes when people pray. Dr. Sloan is the author of Blind Faith, the Unholy Alliance of Religion and Medicine. There's no doubt in anybody's mind that religious practices bring comfort to a great many people, but they shouldn't practice religion because it's like some sort of a cosmic vending machine in which you deposit a coin and get a health benefit. They should practice religion because it resonates with them. You know, as far as we know, it is not a cure for cancer. It is not going to cure somebody of heart disease. We can't tell people to pray in order to get better. That doesn't really make sense. The reason that it works is because it's part of the person's belief system. Dr. Newberg does hope his research will help foster understanding about the mysteries of belief. Cynthia McFadden, NBC News, Philadelphia. So, so again, there's always this opposite. It's like, well, you know, your brain changes when you eat chocolate. So eat chocolate and pray. Get you a Snickers. Get you some heat. Get you some chocolate, whatever you like, and go praying and eating your, here's my point. Does changing your brain matter? Yes. And you can change your brain for the better. Here's what the study showed. He said we wanted to study groups of people that were praying together. People that came together and people that prayed together. And so they, all they could find in their research was some Franciscan monks. And so as the Franciscan monks joined together in prayer... The action that was associated in the brain actually shut the individual part of your brain down that focused on yourself. And all of a sudden, they said, all we can conclude is when you begin to pray, you shut down the part of you that's focused on the wrong things, and there's a connection with some kind of higher power, and all of a sudden, you're out of this world. Can I tell you, that's scientific research. We've got a key to pray, and guess what? We're in the house of God. Today we're going to worship. We're going to give. We're going to pray. I want the team to come because guess what? We're about to get it on, y'all. I'm just telling you, we're about to get it on. You say, what are we going to get on? Let me tell you what we're going to get on. We're going to get on with the kingdom of God. And no matter what's going on in your little world, your little family, that the enemy tries to say is so big, there's something that trumps that. And it's the Word of God. It's prayer. It's giving. It's worship. And as we do it, everything else has to bow. Right before we worship, just for a second, listen to this. Why would He give us these keys? Because they're principles by which the kingdom of God operates. And here's what these keys represent. First of all, they represent authority. You know what I decided this morning when I got up? I read that word in Proverbs 22, verse 4. And I said, I'm going to speak that word to every pastor that's on my prayer list. And as I begin to send it out, this is what I'm praying over you. That today as you humble yourself, today as you honor God, He's bringing riches, honor, and life. I can't tell you how many responses I begin to get back. Somebody said, that's, that's, that's just a, that's a now word for me. I mean, it's a now word right now for me. And guess what? It represents authority. Listen to this. One day uh, on Saturday, I'm, I'm aging myself as if I don't do that all the time. But on Saturday morning, I used to get up and go roller skate in Oak Cliff, South Dallas. How many of y'all grew up going roller skating on Saturday? Look at their hands, these are all the old people. I'd ride my bike a couple of blocks down the skating rink, 
One day I came out of the skating rink and there was this, this man-child, an oversized man-child on my bike crushing it, riding it around like he owned it. In my little eight, nine, ten-year-old voice, I said, get off my bike. He rode over to me, looked me right in the face. He said, who's going to make me? And about that time, my older brother walked through the store of the skating rink, or the door of the skating rink, and I said, he is. And the kid goes, oh, yeah. My brother had no idea what was going on. But I didn't even say anything to my brother. And all of a sudden, his eyes changed. He walked over to that kid, and I heard this like voice I'd never heard him speak in. He looked up at him, he goes, you better get off my brother's bike. I'm gonna give you one chance. That kid, all of a sudden, he crawled off my bike, and I said, that's right, that's right. Don't you ever get on my bike again. Kid walked away, my brother turns to me and says, if you ever do that again, I'll kill you. Now let, me, now let me tell you what I didn't have to do. Watch, here's what I didn't have to do. I didn't have to go, hey, hey, Bruce, hey, he, 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 he's on my bike, and I need you to go over there and tell him to get off my bike. No, you know what I knew about my brother? And he's still this way. Like, he's, he's like a, he's like smaller than me, but like he knocked my two front teeth out. These are fake. I was trying to wake him up for church one day. My mom said, go get your brother up from his nap. I went in there. He goes, man, I'm sick. I said, you're not sick. You're a pagan. You just don't want to go to church. He goes, I go, get up. He goes, leave me alone. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, wham, he hits me. My teeth are chipping off in my mouth. I walked into my mom. I go, he knocked my teeth out. She goes, he sure did. That's what I knew about my brother. So when I told him that kid's on my bike, I knew that kid, I, he's about to get jacked up. Here's what I'm telling you, listen to me. You have got the keys to the kingdom because you've been given the kingdom and we don't have to talk Jesus into it. We don't have to talk God into fixing our problem. We don't have to talk God into getting in our business. All we have to do is use the key and we go before God and we give and we pray and we worship and God says, I'm giving you the keys because greater works, John 14 says, than these will you do and you gotta have the keys to do them. So quit walking around in your insecurity. Quit walking around like you ain't got it going on. Quit walking around like you have no hope for the future. Listen, you know what your future looks like? Riches, honor, long life, healthy life, best life starts right now. That's what it looks like. And that's how we need to live. Let's lift up our hands right now. Can I just tell you one last thing? Listen, nobody go anywhere. Press in with me just for a second. God's about to do something. Moses was given this magnanimous assignment. God said, I want you to lead my people into a promise that they don't even know what this land that flows with milk and honey is like. Listen, I'm prophesying over you right now. God has got so many great things for you in your future. You don't even, you don't, you're so focused right now on the desert. You're so focused right now on the lawsuit. You're so focused on what's not. You're so focused on what you don't have, just trying to make it to the next day. Listen, you're God's son and you're God's daughter. You've been given the kingdom and you have the keys of the kingdom. So Moses is in this dilemma. He, he feels insecure. He's a stutterer. 
whatever your reason for being insecure is, I'm just not that. No, you're not. But you've been given a key, so you have authority. He said, God, if I'm going to do this thing, you got to show me your glory. You got to show me your authority. You got to show me your weight. You got to show me that I can do this. God said, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock. In fact, I'm just going to get you out of the way. I'm going to hide you. That, that rock is Jesus, by the way. I'm going to hide you in Jesus. And by the way, I'm going to pass before you, but you're not going to see my face. You know what I heard all growing up? And yeah, it's biblical. It's like, well, no, no man has seen the face of God. Let me tell you why God doesn't just want you to see his face. Because he wants you to follow him. And you're not looking at his face when you're following him. You know what you're doing? You're worshiping him. And he passed before Moses and all Moses saw was the back of him. And it was enough. Can I just tell you something? From this day forward, I'm prophesying over you. God is going to lead you like never before. The Holy Spirit's coming right now. Just lift up your hands. And, and as we sing this, as we pray this, as we, as we pray the same thing that, that Moses prayed, God is going to show you his glory. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.